Throw your flowers to Rose. Derrick Rose Brilliance led the Knicks to their third straight win, and they're 12th in their last 13 games. We'll dive into the importance of the veteran guard, the Knicks' chances to hold on to the four seed, and the pivotal four games ahead on the West Coast. Plus, our special guest this week, arguably the greatest Nick of all time, 11-time All-Star, Georgetown head coach, and at center, seven feet from Georgetown, Patrick Ewing. I can't wait to talk to the big fella, so get your steak knife, your mashed potatoes, and your bottle of wine, and join us for a sizzling hot new episode of Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks and NBA big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams. You'll also hear our producer, Jake Brown, as well throughout the course of the show. Go to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts right now. Subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review. Look, we're just a few weeks away from a playoff edition. Who would have thought that that would be the case? A playoff edition of Big Apple Buckets. Make sure you're subscribed and following the crew on Twitter for podcast updates as well. At Sal underscore Licata, at Junkyard Dog JW, and at Jake Brown Radio. Look, we're excited to be joined later in the show. I mean, saying that would be an understatement. I I don't know what word to use, but more than excited to be joined by Knicks legend, one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA, Georgetown Hoops head coach, Pat. Patrick Ewing, and next week we'll be talking with two-time champion of the Knicks, the great Dick Barnett. So we got a couple of legends lined up, but I cannot wait to talk to the big fella, Patrick Ewing, a little bit later in the show. JYD, here we are recording on this Tuesday. The Knicks have now won three straight after dropping one to the Suns. Look, they won nine in a row. They lose to the Suns. Have come back and won three straight, the first two of this West Coast trip. They are 37 and 28, sitting at fourth in the Eastern Conference, a game and a half up on. On the Atlanta Hawks, 12 of 13 wins, clinching their first winning season since 2013. How are you feeling about this Knicks team, JYD? Sal, I'm feeling like some steak is on the horizon. And you know what? I've gone down my list of top steakhouses because I got to make sure this Knicks playoff contention, we got to go for that number four spot. We need home court, and that has to be brought in with the proper steak. So I called my guys over at Gallagher's Steakhouse, and I let them know that Big Apple Buckets, the producers, the hosts, myself, we got to come down there and get some succulent, succulent steak. (laughs) Oh, you let them know, and you let no one else plate. know. You didn't tell us, and now and I'm in South Carolina where the juicy steak is sitting on the plate at Gallagher's <laughs> because you're like, last minute, you're like, hey, I got reservations for tomorrow at, at 8 p.m. Like, I'm in the dirty south. They ain't got no steak down here except for Golden Corral. Hey, dog pal, baby, you're going to have to hop on the private jet or better yet, the Greyhound bus. All right, come pick me up here in a few hours, Jake. Come in the PJ. Come in the PJ. Steak, man. We get a text from JYD midweek. Oh, steak dinner, 8 p.m. Thursday. Actually, at first it was oh May 12th, and then it was like, oh no, no, I'm sorry, May 5th. Why? It's, it's tomorrow. It's like two days. I get excited was- May 12th because the Knicks are back home too. I figured you were going to the game against the Spurs on the 13th. We'd have you know go to the game, go to steak. But JYD's just out of nowhere. He's like, yeah, I'm hop, I'm hopping in the PJ to uh, New York City to go to Gallagher's. 
In fairness to JYD, Jake, you're usually available. Uh, I mean, true. all you do is go to games. So you're around going, this just happens to be the one week that you're not available. And when Which, food is within six feet of me, I'm always available, especially yeah, right, state. Right, free dinner. I'm surprised you didn't book your ticket and come back uh, come back sooner <laughs> to meet JYD there. I, I have to, however, get it approved by my wife, which it might be easier, in fact, for Jake We're to fly. We're her uh, steak home. home. Yeah. It's good for the, for the newborn. And yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you like this. Everybody at Gallagher's, if you're there at 8 p.m., I'm signing autographs between 8 and 8.30, right be, right in between appetizers. I'm going to make sure I take out some autographs for my dog pound. Don't worry. It won't disturb me. Just come on over. You know, make sure you say what's up to Sal. Jake, if he can make it, and then we're going to go I ahead cannot and make it. I will not be there, unfortunately. So you're going to need to, you know, have your own steak and then do the Big Apple Bucket steak in the playoffs. That, Jake, you know, after the tell, playoffs. tell that girl who had that 31 jersey on Bumble or whatever, she got to bring that down to Gallagher's and come meet JYD. Get that there you go. Time. She can come get your steak for you. She was <laughs> she was deleted in the match category. No. So, I have no contact with her. Sorry. Well, JYD, there's a lot to celebrate at that steak dinner. This team is, I mean... Here's what I came to the conclusion of last night. I know it sounds simple, but this is the truth. They're good. Enough of the, oh, what's going to happen, or worrying about the Hawks, or this or that. Now, we can get into the standings specifically, and there's one team that I don't want to face in the first round, and that's the team, of course, that's getting hot, the Miami Heat creeping up. They're just a half game back of Atlanta for that fifth spot. We've kind of been focused as Knicks fans on the Hawks, but watch Miami get in there, and that would give the Knicks all sorts of trouble. That's the first round matchup that you don't want uh, the most there. Get Miami out of there somehow. But anyway, the Knicks are good. That's it. It's pretty simple. Randall's a superstar. Derrick Rose has been a beast. I mean, we talked about it when the acquisition happened. I know you and I were fans of it. I don't know why anybody else wasn't, but even we didn't know he would be that good. Jay Weather, you can argue, and I will, that Derrick Rose was better and has been better than any other acquisition that they possibly could have made at the deadline. He, I mean, it's been almost vintage D Rose. So he's been remarkable and they would not be where they are without him. But the, the bottom line, this is a good team. They smack the teams that they're supposed to be smacking. They play hard against the great teams and nine and nine out. They give you the max effort. Well, I can just tell you like this. You speaking of Derrick Rose, let me just tell you the numbers line. Cause I'm a, you know, we can go straight to the numbers against Memphis. He shot 73% from the field and 60% from three. I mean, that's playoff winning basketball especially when you got a guy like Julius Randle, who should be in the top three of MVP votes, literally, because of what he's done for this team and his franchise this year. But Derrick Rose, he's an unsung hero, but he's getting it done on the stat sheet, shooting it from a high clip, high percentage. And, you know, that's what's getting us over these humps having a veteran like that coming off the bench. Let me give you the number quick guys that matters the most. 22 and 9 with Derrick Rose on the court. Yeah. 22 and 9, incredible. There right. you go. And we forget, you know, when he went out, he was out with uh, with COVID for a while. The Knicks did struggle a little bit. He's been a difference maker for them. It's incredible. Now, he's not the player that he once was. And yesterday, I guess, was the 10-year anniversary of Rose winning the NBA MVP. That dude was next level at his peak. When he was winning the MVP, he was, I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Fame player. And you may be talking about that anyway. But the way he's evolved, and he's still, I mean, he's been tremendous. He scored at least 19 points in five of the last seven games. He has been a difference maker, season high 25. You mentioned the JYD all the numbers his impact has been invaluable on the team not only with leadership not only with getting the message from Thibodeau to the rest of that team being a leader for these younger guys whether it's Barrett or Emmanuel quickly on the court he's been invaluable for them they needed that scoring off the bench he's been great 
So we mentioned that they have won three straight after dropping that one to the Suns. They beat the Bulls at the Garden. They had to do that uh, last Wednesday, and they did. And then they hit the road for this road trip that people were saying, well, this is going to define the season. We were talking about it early in the year. Uh Uh-oh, the second half schedule. Oh, that's a tough one. Are they going to hang on? Well, guess what? The road trip is not going to define the season anymore. The season has been defined in other ways. We already know what this Knicks team is. So the season's defined prior to this road trip, and now we're looking ahead at the postseason. But they do start this road trip, get a win on the uh, on the road on Sunday, obviously in game one of that road trip, obliterate the Rockets. And then even last night, Monday night against the Grizzlies, you know, the Grizzlies are a team that could be a dangerous team. And the Knicks go in there and they take it to the Memphis right now is in the ninth spot in the Western Conference. So they're battling to be one of those playing playoff teams. I mean, I know there were some shaky moments maybe late in the game where they cut it to five or, or got it close but really JYD was the the Knicks again dominating from start to finish even when Randall wasn't at his best last night I mean it 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 says it it says a lot I mean the the Memphis Grizzlies are in the playoffs right now I think that they'll probably continue on that road next up we got you know obviously we got the Nuggets who are in the third spot in the West That'll be a real challenge for them. I mean, and look, the, the next few they get back. Who knows what LeBron's status is going to be? Although the Lakers now need that game, so you, I mean, for the Lakers' case, and just for NBA fans, you hope that LeBron comes back healthy with that ankle and he's ready to go, so you can see that matchup. But high ankle sprains are the worst. Yeah, how long you think he's going to be? I mean, he came back and reheard it. I mean, he's going to be out for a little while, you would think, right? Yeah, high ankle sprains are the worst, especially when it comes to high flyers. Right. Well, I mean, I know he's evolved his game a little bit, but still, the way he plays so hard, LeBron, both ends of the floor, oh, that, that's an issue. And they're battling JYD potentially for one of those. I mean, you heard LeBron say it last week about how he thinks that the play-in format is BS, which I kind of agree with him. For the bubble, I understood it. This year, it really shouldn't be that but way. It, but the but Lakers Sal, may find himself- Sal he's, he's a hypocrite because there's a story <laughs> right. last year where he said he was about to play in tournament, and now he's saying he's hated. I mean, talk about the polar opposite. LeBron, pick a side, bro. But I do think that last year was different circumstance. The reason why they had to have that is because it would have been unfair to certain teams who were battling for a playoff spot but had the season cut short. So you kind of had to have the play-in tournament to make it fair for everybody. This year, what's the what's the reason? I mean, there Man, no- the reason is we got to have more drama in the playoffs, daggone it. This puts the, the guys that are at the bottom, it, it gives you that sense of like, okay, we still got a chance here. Not only that, it also makes it so that the teams that that have obviously in the top six, they've worked hard to get there because they don't want to be in the playoff, you know, playing. So it's it's good drama. It's we good. were excited because we thought the Knicks would have to be one of those teams. Who would have thought they'd have potential home court? And you mentioned ankle sprain, sprains. That's a that's a problem now for the Knicks with Nerlens Noel because they don't have the depth. Now, Norvell Pell has been okay, but if Norvell Pell's got to pay to play 20 to 25 minutes, uh, he might get exposed out there. So I am hoping, I am praying that Nerlens Noel is back soon because, like you said, they play the three, two, four, and five seeds coming up. These four games could determine their seeding here. Oh, but you mentioned Norvell. Pell, he's another one last night. What do you have, three blocks? I mean, between him and Taj Gibson, that's something the Knicks have done all year long. Milton Robinson's out. Norwell's Noel fills in and becomes a beast defensively. All these blocks left and right. Noel is out. Now Norvell Pell comes in, and he's swatting guys. And Taj Gibson giving you quality minutes. By the way, I didn't know Taj Gibson was a 90s Knicks fan. I read that. I didn't know that he uh, that, that was his team growing up. So him and Thibs having some fun, having success in New York. But anyway, those guys have filled the roles here. Anytime, even without Alec Burks or without D. Rose, the Knicks have they've played well as a team so 
yeah, you'd like to see no, uh, New Orleans Noel come back here, but Taj Gibson and Norvell Pell have done a serviceable job as big men replacing him. They just don't have the depth, guys. Like you say, but look at the rest of the stat line: two points, two rebounds for Norvell Pell. So I know well, you don't that, need. You're not getting scoring from the center position anyway. Some, you need him to get some boards out down there. But obviously, Taj Gibson has been that guy. I think they're going to need him for the. I mean, there's no doubt they need him. the Knicks won't win the first round if New Orleans Noel. His role has become so increasingly important since Mitchell Robinson went down, and not just blocks. He's you know he scores when you need him. He'll hit that little floater. He can hit the eight footer if he's open. The ten footer. He's done so much besides just blocking shots. Where you know you worry about sprained ankles. You hope it's a lower ankle sprain, and ideally you get him back for this West Coast trip because it's not just those four games. They come back and play three more playoff teams in the Spurs, Hornets, and Celtics. So it's seven games. It's seven playoff teams. It's lucky number seven. And if they could go four and three, Sal and JYD, or five and two, you're I think your hope is four and three with how they're playing. Maybe five and two. If they could go four and three, I think there's a good shot they could get this four seed in the home court. Well, you got Norvell Pell. At least he came up with a plus seven against a potential playoff team. So I got to give him give him a shout from the dog pound. He shot a hundred percent from the field. He was two for two. So. Keep giving that man some layup Plus buckets. Plus seven, JYD with these nerd stats, bro. What a nerd over here. <laughs> hey, man, listen. The plus minus is all about plus minus sometimes, man. When you got these new players, you got to evaluate their plus minus. Well, they're not looking to get scoring, though, from that position. So and I understand what you're saying, Jake, as far as needing. Look, you want to have your – they'd like to have Mitchell Robinson back. Imagine how much better they'd be with Mitchell Robinson and New Orleans Noel as opposed to having to have Norvell Pell and Taj Gibson eat all those minutes. But they've done their job. They need a rim protector – from the center position, first and foremost. Obviously, a guy who's going to defend and a guy who's going to maybe rebound, but I wouldn't look at the scoring there. But you mentioned these seven games that are left. I mean, five and two. If they went five and two, I mean, I'd be blown away if that were the case. Even four and three, you know, the Nuggets are tough. The Suns are tough. The Clippers, the Lakers, these are not easy games. Even if you're at your best, those are tough games to win on that West Coast trip. I remember the 90s Knicks, you know, struggling at times to win some of those games against the top teams on the West Coast. It just happens before they return home here to take on the Spurs, Hornets, and Celtics. So yeah, it's not going to be an easy stretch. They're going to have to earn it. Who knows where they will end up here, but outside of Miami, and I say that because did Miami sweep them in the season series? I think that they did. I know there were some hard-fought games. I'm pretty sure Miami swept the Knicks. They've had the Knicks number. I know they had an overtime loss. I was I yeah. was upset about. And and Miami, JYD, you know where they went to the finals a year ago. They have the pedigree. They're a dangerous team. See, I think Atlanta, I think Boston, Charlotte, any of those teams, I feel like the Knicks right now, the way they're going in the first round, would be able to handle. Miami would be a battle. Not yeah, to say that the Knicks they were win swept. It. That would they be were, a battle. They were swept, South Three games, one and I, one of three, and then two days later, Later in February 98-96, and then March 29-98, but I mean, these were the the pre-streaking Knicks, the pre-prime rib Knicks, the pre, you know, that, you know, April 9th game, Jake and Bob Brown. I'm looking for that porterhouse. Filet (laughs) and New York strip side by side. It's the best of both worlds, baby. Come on, Gallagher's. Let's go. Enjoy it by yourself because none of us might not be able to make it. Little mashed potatoes, a little side of asparagus, maybe. Filet mignon. Sal's going to be there. Stop yeah, trying, I'm, to, I'm, I'm, trying I'm, to get him out of it. You decided you wanted to go to South Carolina, okay? 
I understand brothers get married. Another thing that hey, shout out to you, bro. Man. I, I, listen, he, I could have came back on Monday and listen, I missed New York already, but I have not seen the family. This is 2019. I had to stay for a week, brought yeah. the equipment down, you know, paid the extra $30 to check another bag of podcast equipment here. So we'll that's loyalty. Yeah. It's, that's we'll dedication. It's time. It's time for me to make you jealous. Producer Jake. I'm oh, watching no. you all these games. time. For, I'm, I mean, JYD and I'm taking a pic of that steak, oh, no. baby. That's right. We're taking a pic. Right. Salas texts me his wife, I got to make Jake It's actually work-related. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't really have a choice. This isn't like a, you know, this is something that's been built into our show. It's in the framework of our institution of Big Apple Buckets. This was the, on the foundation. We said, steak dinner if the Knicks make the playoffs. You got to be prepared. It could come at any moment. We had to make sure they were going to make it. It had to be etched in stone that there's no question that the the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs. Now, there's no question we're in. Now we're just seeing if we can get home court. Let's go. They're 37-28, so they're three wins from another steak dinner when I will be up in New York. (laughs) So uh, playoff tickets and steak dinner. It's the buy one, get one special when they hit the 40-piece nugget. Although I have a feeling I'm going to end up with a literal 40-piece nugget instead of a steak dinner when that happens. Hey, you know what? Can't go wrong with that either. But nonetheless, we got the Knicks resuming action here on tomorrow night, Wednesday night, if you're listening to this uh, on Tuesday as we record. Wednesday night against the Denver Nuggets, then Friday against the Spurs, Sunday Clippers, Tuesday Lakers. It'll be fun to see how they do it here, finish up, these four games we know one thing results may vary but they're gonna play hard night in night out and at this point I mean I know it's about the seating we're getting into it every game but I just I'm antsy for the playoffs we're we're so close I just you know like we could taste the steak well I could taste the playoffs I'm ready to get into the matchup who's it gonna be what's it gonna look like get me some playoff basketball that's kind of where we're at right now I know we're winding down seven games to go that's it I want the Hawks I think that's the one team especially when Trey Young just got banged up got banged up they're coming in with not a lot of experience experience that is the team you want unfortunately i think it might be the heat now it'll be fun with the heat because the old you know the 90s and the knicks and the heat back again but it will not be fun for our heart palpitations that we'll have to go through because that's going to probably be a seven game series if they play the hawks i think they could take care of them in five or six maybe it goes seven but i do think they'll beat the hawks with the heat i'm scared of and listen um my 13 year old jake is is punching 30 year old jake of not saving that mordecai money why didn't i save the bar mitzvah money because these knicks playoff tickets are probably going to cost sal's newborn baby it's going to be a five six hundred dollar ticket to sit in the 400 level what and i wish much i think so bro unless they expand the capacity maybe it's listen because you're talking about secondary market, you're not getting it through the. Well, yeah, box it's going to sell out through the box office, but even the box office lows will be probably two fifty. It was two hundred to two fifty to get in a Knicks Suns in the worst seats. So imagine what playoffs will be, Sal. It's going. You know, I yeah. got ten thousand for my bar mitzvah. Spent every penny of it. I so. have a hard time justifying. Now I want to go to the playoffs just as badly as anybody. And I'll tell you, if it's Knicks Heat, oh man, uh, that, I I know my heart can't take it, but that would be fitting, right? For a team that resembled the '90s teams, for a team that represented the city well. How fitting would it be first round matchup with the freaking Miami Heat, who I still can't stand? I'd like to give you know, like Starks giving them the finger. I, I, I hate Miami, but five hundred bucks for a first round. Open up matchup? the piggy bank, Sal. Take hey, out money hey, from you're your baby's about, college. You're tuition. talking about Miami. You're talking them up so much. They got to play Boston Celtics twice. Come on, man. They got a back-to-back home and away against the Celtics. And, you know, Jason Tatum, he still got something to say about these playoffs. So yeah, Boston trying to move up there as well. I'd rather face Boston than Miami. We'd honestly. rather face Boston. So let's give Tatum and, and my man Jalen Brown a call and let him know 
We'd rather them be at the Garden than the Miami Heat. Yeah, but the Heat also have games against Minnesota and Detroit, which are walk-through wins, where the Knicks, where the Knicks have seven playoff teams. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tight here. Yeah, and, and it'll be fun. Look, again, our focus has just been on the Knicks and maybe the Hawks, but everything is so close. Really, four through seven now. It's starting to separate a little bit with Charlotte at thirty-one and thirty-three in the eighth spot. Really, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks, Hawks, Heat, Celtics, any of those spots there with those four teams can be interchangeable and see and it's not gonna be easy for the Knicks but we'll see I mean we, we do know they've played hard they've been the best of the bunch so far from start to finish of this year but we'll see if they can hang on next time we come back we'll have what four games in the books no three games the Denver game Phoenix game Clippers so we'll know uh, obviously you know we come back on Tuesday when we record next there'll be four games left we'll have obviously a better standing of where the Knicks Tuesday will be. next Tuesday Sal will be our final show of the regular season the following week we'll be previewing playoff games it's a weird feeling Sal that you know this is the first not you know not playoff team it's the first Knicks winning team since 2013 they clinched that last night the first team over 500 clinched I mean that's a celebration its own put the banner in the rafters first 500 teams you know how people always do those yeah, memes of yeah. the pictures of the of the banner photoshopped first over 500 team in eight years. Yeah, and for you know, soon hopefully we could bury that meme and when the Knicks get themselves to actual championship caliber. But nonetheless, it's been a great year. I cannot wait to see how it finishes out. And I can't believe that the playoffs are almost here and we're gonna be involved in that. Somebody who was always involved in the playoffs. I always say this, but if you told fifteen year old Sal there'd be a day where the Knicks wouldn't make the playoffs, they'd be like, What are you insane? And the reason why I said that is because I grew up watching Patrick Ewing every single day give everything he had. Well, we on Big Apple buckets are gonna have the chance to talk to the big fella coming up on the other side patrick ewing will join us on big apple buckets Well, it doesn't get any bigger for this for Big Apple Buckets as we welcome in the big fella, the legend, New York Nick, all-time great, Patrick Ewing. JYD, this is your guy, your Georgetown lawyer. Patrick, what's happening, man? What's going on? How you feeling? Hey, fellas. What's up, JYD? I'm doing fine, man. I, you know, I have a little a touch of the, uh, of the cold, but other than that, I'm hanging in there. Come on, man. It was cold after you came all the way back in the Big East tournament, man, and uh, and got into the NCAA tournament. Georgetown's back on the map, man. Talk about the Big East run there in the garden, man. That was fantastic. Oh, it was great. One of the things I was, I've been talking to my team about the whole year was, you know, they have us ranked last. And, you know, I just, you know, kept preaching that, telling them they need to come out with a chip on their shoulder every time we play. And I thought they did a great job of being able to put whatever issues we had going on aside and be able to come away with a, with a, a great win in the biggest tournament. You know, Patrick, Georgetown's not the only team to go on a run at the Garden this year. Shockingly so. It seems like the Knicks haven't been good really since you left, but shockingly so. This team is actually good this year. They're actually a team that represents the city well for the first time since you and those 90s Knicks currently sitting at fourth in the Eastern Conference. They've won 12 of 13. It's been about 20 years, but it seems like the Knicks are back, headed in the right direction under Tom Thibodeau. Your thought, I know maybe you're not locked in as you obviously have greater responsibilities with Georgetown, but your thought on the current state of the New York Knicks? Oh, I think they're doing great. Tom is doing an outstanding job. I had the opportunity to play for Tom when he was assistant coach uh, with the Knicks when I was playing. Also work with him in uh, in Houston. Uh, he, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's a hard worker. He's knowledgeable. 
and is a student of the game, and I'm just happy for him and the team and also the city. It's been way too long, as you know, that this has been a respectable basketball team. Has that bothered you, Patrick, from the outside? You know, look, you're you're listening to a, a kid who grew up in the 90s watching you and those yeah. 90s teams give everything you had. And it's been a while since they've been respectable. Did that? And then you get people talking about how the Knicks aren't what they used to be, the Garden isn't what it used to be. Did that bother you on the outside when you weren't a part of this franchise anymore, knowing what you built with those 90s Knicks teams, everything you gave, the blood, sweat, and tears, your number in the rafter? How much did that hurt you to see where the Knicks franchise fell? over the last two decades? Well, you're definitely, you know, once a Nick, always a Nick. I was disappointed to see that it's been a while since we've been relevant, but I'm just happy for all the things that they've been doing. You know, sometimes you got to be the phoenix rising out of the ashes. And I think that's they've been down in the south for, for a while and they're doing a great job of, of coming back. And, you know, you got to give all praise to Tom Thibodeau and the rest of the cast with the Knicks. When you talk about coaching, Pat, and, and Tom and, and some of the greats that you've, you've been behind, you know, speak a little bit about Coach Thompson and, and what you're taking from him throughout your coaching journey. Uh, coach Thompson is a great coach, great man, great leader. He's did an outstanding job of building Georgetown, building this program. You know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be back here coaching. You know, I, I miss him every day. Still, when I when I come to work and uh, we're going through practice or something and I, I, I hear the, the back door open, I keep looking over there thinking that it was him. But, you know, I, had, I enjoyed playing for him. I, you know, like I said, I've learned a lot from him. He's, he and I, our relationship. Has definitely grew, grown over the years. Started out as a coach-player relationship and grew into being a father figure, a role model, a confidant. He's definitely missed. Patrick, can you take us inside the huddle of Tom Thibodeau? I mean, you mentioned playing for him, coaching with him. What makes him just so different? These Knicks haven't preached defense. They have the best defense in the league. They have their own style. Can you kind of take our listeners through what it's like playing and coaching with Tom Thibodeau? Well, I mean, like I said, he's, he knows the ins and outs of, of the game. He's a student of the game. He's been working at his craft for a long time, starting with the Knicks, San Antonio, Houston, Boston, to name a few. He's been all over the place and worked for some, some, for some great coaches. And I just think that all the things that he has learned, he's using now, you know, working for Jeff Van Gundy in Houston, uh, who Jeff and also Pat Riley, always defensive-minded coach. I think he's doing an outstanding job. You got to also give the players credit because they're buying in. They're buying into what the things that he's trying to teach them. Their future is bright right now. I think that's the key, Patrick. You touched on it that you have players who are buying into what he's saying. Where you look around at other teams, and whether it's Brooklyn or whoever, their superstars don't want to play defense. Their superstars don't want to buy in and play the team game the right way. Whether it's that they just don't want to. They don't care to or whatever. You were a superstar who led not only, you know, uh, off the court and all that, but on the court by example. Nobody played harder than you at both ends of the floor and gave everything they had. And that led this organization for years. What was it like being that superstar player, listening to the coach? You know, if, if you didn't listen to Jeff Van Gundy, neither was anybody else on that team. But since you bought in and you gave everything you had for, and it's not just him, obviously, it's all the other coaches that you played for as well. But without, without you leading the way, that doesn't happen for the rest of your team. How important is that to have the superstar buying in? Oh, it's definitely important. You know, you have to have allies. 
in the locker room. And you prefer to be your best player. If your best player is doing everything that he that the coach is telling him that he needs to do to be successful, and everyone is going to fall in line. That's all that I've been hearing about Randall. He's been doing a great job of buying in, working hard, you know, pushing his teammates, and you know, wish them all the best. Patrick, did you watch the last dance? I mean, I did last year. I know it's old news, but I haven't had a chance to talk to you about. It. Look, there's a billion questions I've been wanting to ask you since about 1993 when I really started falling in love with this team. But the last dance brought back some memories, some good, some bad. And overall, look, I know it didn't end the way that we all wanted to, certainly the way that you wanted to as far as not ending up with the championship. But, man, you guys gave it a hell of a run. Did you watch that last dance? Did it bring you back a little bit to the glory days of when you were killing it with the Knicks in the 90s going up against whether it's the Bulls or the Heat or the Pacers, all those teams? You, you have any thoughts from that uh, that show bringing you back? I really haven't watched it. I didn't watch it. I mean, I lived through it, so I didn't need to watch it. You know, Michael was a great player. He did some remarkable things with the, with this Bulls team. But, you know, I didn't watch it. I didn't need to watch it. I, I lived through uh, all the things that that was going that was going on. And, you know, I still say he's one of the best players to ever played this game. And, and speaking of one of the best players that ever played this game, I just want to hear from you when it came to, like, really taking young players and helping them, you know, along their journey. I remember Patrick Ewing coming to the gym, playing with Allen Iverson, JYD, Othella Harrington, Jeff Green, and, and a host of other Hoyas that really benefited from your leadership and your guidance. Has the game changed, Pat, when it comes to guys reaching back and, and really spending that time to to help to the next generation reach their goals and dreams? I, I really don't think so. I, I looked at it as, as an honor, giving knowledge uh, back to, to, the, to, the, to the next generation. And I thought that myself, you know, I followed in the footsteps of guys like Sleepy Floyd, John Duran, who always came back and always gave us, in my generation, the tools to be successful. And I did it for with Alonzo and Dikembe, and then they did it with everybody else. So, you know, I, I, I'm not the, – the game has changed in terms of the way that it's played, but I, I don't think it has changed in terms of, of guys, you know, lending a hand to, to teaching the, the next generation or helping them pull themselves up. Patrick, is there one year in particular, we had Starks and Oakley on and others, and I've asked them, you know, is there one year in particular that hurt more than others? I know how close you were in 94. And then you had, you know, the, the year, the fight where you guys get suspended, which was a great team. Even 99, where, you know, I know that they could have used you in, a, in the finals against the Spurs. I know you were banged up there against the Pacers and the team got through to the finals without you being 100%. But man, had you been 100%, maybe that finals is different. Is there one year in particular from those 90s years that you look back and say, man, that was really the year that we should have won the ring. Shoot, there's been a lot of a lot of them. I, I don't really don't have one, and I guess maybe the one that I could say is the, the one that we were in the finals. We had an opportunity to beat Houston, and I'm not going to say it was the game where John missed those shots. I think it's the third game, our first game back at home. You know, Sam Cassell he hit a huge three to propel them to the victory. But we were right there to get that to get that game, and I, if we had gotten that game, I thought that the series would not have gone back to Houston, and we would have won. But it is what it is. You know, you take your ass off, add off to to a team, and those guys they did a great job. If you're healthy in '99, do you guys beat the Spurs? Hey, look, it, it, it'd be dreaming. It, it definitely would have would have been a, a tougher series for them. Marcus and I and myself would have been a formidable duo to, to go against both, you know, Tim and, and David. But 
that was tough because to have to sit there and listen to all this, the noise that those fans first were, were talking about, it was hard to take. I actually broke down. I, you know, I didn't want anybody to see me. So I went on the team bus and I broke down because I wasn't able to play in and we were, we were losing. I'm still mad, guys, that uh, the attendance and security didn't recognize Patrick Ewing and the, the Big East tournament. I'm still triggered Come about that, now. Pat. I mean, I don't know if you had a mask on, but you see Patrick Ewing. He is a tall, towering figure that ran that building for a good 15 years. Patrick, what the heck is going on? I hope that person uh, got spoken to or something. <laughs> That's all in the past. Mr. Dolan and myself, we already talked about it. It's what under the bridge. Looking forward to getting back up to New York and to get back to the garden. Hopefully, maybe to watch a playoff game. And also, definitely, when we get back up there playing against St. John's and also in the Big East tournament. Yeah, you know, I thought a lot, a lot was made of that. And it really shouldn't have been that big of a deal. And if there's anybody who has the right to question or say anything about Madison Square Garden uh, not recognizing him, it's Patrick Ewing, a guy who gave his blood, sweat, and tears every single night. And Patrick, you know, I thought about this. We knew we were going to have you on. Uh, again, as somebody who grew up watching those Knicks teams living and dying with every position. Even in the regular season, I was thinking of all the questions that I could ask you and then really just came down to one thing. What I wanted to say to you, I just I want to say thank you. I mean, thank you for being a great player, a superstar player who gave everything that he had every single night to that team for representing that jersey, the front of that jersey for this city. It was just incredible to be able to go back and watch. And I know Nick fans over the last 20 years wished that they, I know me wished that we had that. And, and and it was just great to be able to watch it. We were all fortunate that we had that great run. Whether it ended with a championship or not doesn't matter. Those teams were tremendous teams led by you, and I just want to thank you for everything that you gave to that team in this city. And I want to say one thing, too, before you go, Pat, is that I want to say coming from and growing up out of the D.C. area, watching the Hoyas, seeing you take that whole city on your back, and then becoming the official HBCU of all of black America throughout the United States. And then I wanted to follow in your footsteps. And, and, and I really appreciate all the knowledge that you poured into me while I was at Georgetown. Seeing that you graduated made me want to be a graduate of Georgetown and study hard. So you've done a lot for not only the city of New York, but the city of D.C. and, and, and black culture, along with you and uh, the late Coach Thompson, my coach as well. So I just want to give you a huge shout out for that. Keep recruiting. Keep getting those kids in there. And, uh, you know, keep winning Big East championship tournaments, man. That's what it's about. Dog pound. Nah, I really appreciate y'all. You know, thank you guys very much. To my Knicks fans, I, I like to thank them as well because, you know, my 15 years there were, we had our ups and we had our downs, but there were still some great years. You know, we did a great job in terms of where, where we started my first two seasons to becoming, you know, household names. And to my D.C. fans, hey, look, we got a long way to go. We're still building, we're still chopping wood, and we're still hoping that by in our near future that we'll be hopefully hanging another banner in our building. Let's go, Patrick. We'll see you at the Garden in the playoffs where we will recognize you and we will hug you and we will we will high-five you, we'll shake your hand. Can't wait for that day. We appreciate it. All right, fellas. Have a good one. The big fella. I mean, come on. It doesn't get any better for me. I know that everybody could talk about, you know, the 70s Knicks and the championship, but he's the guy. And, and I meant every word that I said there. I was legitimately thinking, man, there's a billion questions I want to ask him about 94, about 99, oh, about the fight and uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Pat Riley. But ultimately, it's just a thank you for a guy who gave everything he had night in, night out at both ends of the floor. It's not every day you get to have the Hall of Famer himself, Patrick Ewing, 
on the line. It's <laughs> big ass <laughs> fucking at its best. That's what time it is right there. I wish I could do that. That barking. <laughs> I I, that's like a talent. It's like rolling your R's. Is is the uh, JYD bark? He was also too, guys. As we you know wrap up a, a post game interview here. This is the first time we're doing this. He was like a big man in a big man's era, where big men were posting and toasting, as Clyde would like to say. Those are my. You talk. You love nineties Knicks. Ninety eight, ninety nine. First time I was a basketball fan. Seven eight years old and marveling at the post up game the ewing the mornings and it's so different now that you got to look back and say wow like there were guys just backing them down jyd you were one of them backing them down posting hooks fadeaways so many moves in today's game that are just extinct they're like dinosaurs and that's what makes right. you appreciate a guy like patrick ewing and that style of play so much more and that was a nice uh kudos by you salicata yeah well look dude i mean you're preaching the choir I, that's what i watched i mean I grew up, I didn't know the game of basketball. I learned by watching those Knicks, and I grew up watching them feed the big fella. Get it down to Ewing in the post. If he gets doubled, kick it out. If not, I mean, it attacked the rim or had that little fadeaway jumper. Ewing was, I mean, he was incredible for a guy his size to do everything he did. And you're right, Jake, and that's why we kind of brought up that 99 finals there. They didn't necessarily need him to get there, but they could have certainly, they needed him in the finals against the Spurs, and that was sad that he couldn't play. And how about that? He got emotional about it. It, as that was really the end of the run. That was a great quote by him. You don't think of Patrick Ewing emotional, and he's going on the bus, you know, tearing up about that. You know, he talked about the Spurs fans, talking all the smack that they were talking, uh, and who would have known years later the Spurs would form a mini dynasty winning even more titles, and that was the start, you know, with, with Tony Parker and gang. The way it ended with them trading him, you know, we, we, you're not going to get into all that with him, but that clearly set the franchise back. That was the beginning of the end for essentially two years. I remember being at the game at the Garden where Ewing returned with the Stonics, which is just a surreal feeling, and it, it's like anything else in life. Maybe you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone, and not that the Knicks fans didn't really appreciate Ewing, but there was always the, oh, well, he didn't win a ring, or oh, well, they didn't get over the hump. Oh, yeah? You dopes? Well, well now what? When he's gone, now what? Well, what are you looking at here? You, I mean, they never have replaced him. Not Carmelo, not anybody. They've never replaced Ewing. You think Julius Randle's great? I mean, come on, imagine if you think Julius Randle is doing great things, and he is. It is nothing compared to what Patrick Ewing, and I mean nothing compared to what Patrick Ewing gave <laughs> Every single night at Preach. each end of the floor. I mean, JYD, you know that. I mean, they don't make them like they used to, the big fella. Come on, man. We know them games at the Garden. You know, you knew 33 was showing up. And those hook shots was falling. And that baseline jumper was coming. And then after he gave you the up and under, he was dunking. It was just <laughs> all Ewing. 33 with the high top Adidas. <laughs> Wait, but JYD, you know, as we'll wrap this. I, we, I mean, this might be the only, the, the biggest guest worthy of a post-game uh, interview here, but you, let's go inside the doghouse, Patrick Ewing. You must have a Patrick Ewing story, either from playing him, covering him, a Georgetown memory. You got to have a Ewing memory for us. Oh, man, let me tell you something. Let me take you inside the doghouse real quick. Take you back to Georgetown University. And, you know, our, our legendary uh, summertime games are built for the record books. I mean, we'd come in the gym and you'd have defensive player of the year, Dikembe Mutombo, defensive player of the year, Alonzo Mourning, runner-up MVP and defensive player of the year and all-star and, you know, dream team participant Patrick Ewing, all playing, right? And Coach Thompson 
was very strategic. They come in, separate the teams. So Alonzo would have his team, Dikembe would have his team, and Patrick would have his team. Now, typically, I was happy if I either got on Alonzo's team or surely Patrick's team. Patrick, I, I know I'm winning like eight, nine games, okay? And, you know, so I'm, you know, excited. I get on Patrick's team, and Dikembe's in the gym, and he comes in, he's talking. He's starting wagging the finger, and he's like, Patrick! I'm going to take you to school today. They <laughs> start trash talking, man. And Patrick's like, look, Deke, look, there's nothing you can do. I'm going to hit you with this baseline jumper for game. And I remember the game being tied up. <laughs> Patrick gets it in the post and I go cutting through and I'm like, man, he getting ready. Get him for game. And he starts backing Dikembe down. He's like, I told you what I was going to do. I told you what I was going to do. Hits him with the shoulder, fade away, buckets, walks straight over to the Gatorade and says, Come on, fellas, let's get a drink. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Patrick Ewing, man, it was guaranteed buckets. It was that, and it was just trash talking. It was some of the just, just, just the best times of my life, man. Georgetown basketball and being in those gyms and uh, going through those battles with those guys and seeing how hard they worked. Those three we used to work out all summer together. You know, it's stuff of legends. Like they'd walk through McDonough with a gym full to the back gym because they had to come through like the gym to walk to the back gym. And it was just sort of like, where are they going? And then when I got to Georgetown, I used to get to go through that back door too. And I was like, this is it. I'm in the back. <laughs> I'm where the action happens. They they walk in with a dry shirt and they come out soaking wet. <laughs> That's amazing. Sal, the only way we could close this now is to get a bark barks from you. You're the only one of the tree who hasn't done your bark. <laughs> 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 That does it for us for episode 44, the John Wallace edition of Big Apple Buckets, our next podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to producer Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Give Big Apple Buckets a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it greatly. For Jerome Williams, I'm Sal Licata. We'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in every week. Stay safe. And of course, come on, we're down the stretch here. Let's go Knicks! <laughs> <laughs>